You're listening to The Way Out, creating financial freedom through network marketing with Andrew Logan. This podcast is your step-by-step guide to building and growing your own business and creating passive investment vehicles. If you crave legacy, wealth, and freedom, keep listening. Hello and welcome to The Way Out Podcast. Andrew Logan here. Great to be with you as always for another episode. Episode 116 today on this Monday morning in Australia. Hopefully I can help you start your week with some more financial education, business education, mindset education, all those things that we need, you know, all those puzzle pieces to help you on the pathway to financial freedom. And it's a public holiday again uh, this Monday. It was Easter Monday last week. It's Anzac Day this week. It's a Monday morning where we, well, it's it's a day each year. It happens to be a Monday morning for us this year where we remember our fallen veterans and it's it's a time to reflect and obviously a time to be grateful for what we have. The world is a bit crazy at the moment, but you know we always have to be thankful for those who have fallen and given up their lives and gone onto battlefields to fight for our freedoms. And so it is a great remembrance day when we just had the, the kids marching down the street with the you know, with the RSL and all that kind of stuff. So for Australian, New Zealand soldiers and for all the, the soldiers around the world who've given up their lives, given up time and all the families who've been affected by it, we, you know, we do thank you, obviously, and very, very grateful for that. Now, moving on to today's episode, and I do want to talk about a bit of a crazy world that we live in in the moment. And something happened about three or four weeks ago that you may or may not have seen and you probably didn't see because it's not the kind of thing that, you know, kind of mainstream media will put out there a lot and, and really advertise. It's not something they want to advertise and we'll talk about why in a sec and probably wouldn't have read much about it on your social media, but the yield curve in the US inverted. Now, what does that mean and why should you care? But more importantly, how can you prepare? Like, what does it actually mean for your own investment strategy? We know we need to make money. We know we need to, we need to you know, build a business and go out and create sales and help people with their life. We need to do our personal development, all those sorts of things. But the other side of the coin is we need to put our money to work. We need to kind of you know, get our money a job, basically, and we need to put it in the right places. And one of the biggest challenges for people with investing is, you know, can I trust this investment? If I put my money into X, will it still be there in five to 10 years? If I buy this property and put tenants in, are they going to take care of it? If I buy this stock or this coin or this commodity, what's it going to be worth in five, 10 years? That's a big challenge for people. So I want to talk about some of these, you know, market waves. And more importantly, this is like a market tide. You know, market waves are kind of cool. And if you know what to do, you can get on a surfboard and ride them and have great fun. If you don't know what to do, you you know, you'll get a bit dumped by the wave. But tides move whole oceans. You know, waves can move things up and down for a little bit. And if you know what to do with them, you can ride them. Tides move entire oceans. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't benefit from a tide. You just need to know which way it's moving and then how to set your sail. In the words of Jim Rohn, I can't affect the wind, but I can affect the set of my sail. And as someone who rode boats a lot through university and afterwards, you know, that was up in the morning, which way is the tide going? Okay, that's going to affect our training session today. You know, you you built your life, you built your rowing life, certainly around the tides. So, Let's talk about our financial lives and the financial tides that are happening and what actually is a US yield curve and what does it mean when it's inverted and what are some of the kind of other things that are possibly underlying here. So 
I did a post on my social media about this two weeks ago as well. So if you do like kind of, you know, nerdy mathematical stuff, search back through my personal social media, my personal Facebook. It's about two weeks ago. There was a, a post on this as well. But what it basically means is government bonds. So like t- talking about a bank, you know, if you look at it from a bank point of view, if you go put your money in the bank, they're going to lend you a couple of percent. They're going to say, look, for every you know year, we're going to give you some interest. Now, why do they do that? Because banks basically work on like a fractional reserve lending policy. So what that means, and it's different in every country, and we're just going to use simple numbers. They might say, look, we'll give you 3% if you give us, you know, for every $1,000 you put in the bank account, we'll give you 3% a year. Okay. So for every $1,000 in there, we'll give you $30 back. The reality, but is that, you know, they might be able to lend $20,000 for every $1,000 you have. So it's like a, you know, a casino has to have in the bank for every, you know, dollar that's traded on the floor, they've got to have that money in the bank. Banks in their vault, I should say, banks only have to have about 5% of what they're actually lending out there on, you know, on their books, right? So if you got a $200,000 home loan, that means that they've got about $10,000 in the bank, at least from people's savings accounts. And then they're able to lend that $10,000 out 20 times to go give someone a $200,000 home loan. Now they're going to give you about, you know, 5% on the home loan and they're going to give you 3% on the interest. And that's how they're making their money. So they want to give you a little bit of interest to help you put money in their bank account. And then they can lend out like 20 times more to that to people and charge them a higher interest rate. And remember as well, they're charging 20 times the amount of money, a higher interest rate as well. So banks are doing very, very well. They're totally fine. Don't worry about them. But governments do the same thing as well, right? So governments will have bonds and essentially they'll say, look, if you give us money for a year, like a one-year bond, a one-year treasury bond, you give us $10,000 for a year and we'll give you 3% back at the end of the year. So they need money to pay the bills, to pay their fees, all that kind of stuff, to implement the programs they want to do, to you know pay their politicians the money that they want to get paid, etc. Now, normally in any kind of investment, in you know generally every kind of investment, the longer your money is tied up, the higher the interest rate you deserve. So if you're going to say, look, we'll give you 3% a year for one year, but if you give us a five-year treasury bond where you lock up your money with us for five years, but we'll give you like 4% a year for five years because that's a longer time. We need to reward you more. We need to incentivize you more to have your money locked up with us longer. Why would the government say, well, we're going to give you less if you give us our money for longer? Okay, give us your money, I should say. So what happened is generally the yield curve is looking at the kind of two-year bond versus the 10-year bond. So recently, the interest rates for the two-year bonds became higher than the interest rates for the 10-year bonds. So normally the curve would kind of, you know, like go up like that kind of like exponential curve, you know, the, it starts off a little bit flat and sideways and then it starts to accelerate up and the longer your money is locked up with the government, the higher the reward is at the end of the day, it started to invert. So money at two years is far more valuable to them right now than money in 10 years and they're paying a higher yield on that money. They're going to pay you, they're offering, I should say, a higher yield on your money now than in the future. So that's what an inverted yield curve means. 
Now, why is that a big deal? Well, we'll talk about why in a sec, but the reality is that this doesn't happen often and it happens maybe once every kind of seven to 10 years. And what generally happens, in fact, every single time it's happened in the last sort of 40 to 50 years is that within about 12 months after the curve inverts, we have a recession. And that's why you're not really hearing about it because mainstream media doesn't want to put out news of a recession. And why wouldn't they want to tell you there's a recession coming? Because if you're, you're going to panic, right? And you're not going to spend money. And the mainstream media loves, you know, advertisers, the people who advertise to sell on its platform. They want you to be out there spending money in the shops. They'd rather tell you about, you know, like millennium bugs or, you know, Y2K, I remember was in our day, but, you know, any kind of like challenge, any kind of danger where people are going to run out and spend money on bottles of water, on toilet paper, on, you know, other things to protect themselves. You know, we're going to run out and buy these sorts of things and spend our money. In recessions, people stop spending money. And they don't want that. You know, governments don't want that. Societies don't want that. Businesses don't want that. They don't want you sitting at home, not spending your money because it's a recession. They want you out there buying because times are good or because they're kind of, you know, there's some panic buying on certain things and we're, we're spending money that we probably shouldn't on stuff like toilet paper that we probably really didn't need. But hey, you know, that was two years ago. We've all moved on from that time. But the reality is that every single time the yield curve is inverted over the last 40 or 50 years, a recession has followed. Now, the reality as well, and this is kind of part of the challenge, and we talk about where is the tide turning at the moment, is that a recession technically, by definition, needs six months worth of negative data. So if they're saying there's a recession in August, they're using the data from, you know, January, February, March, April, May, June kind of thing. And then, you know, they get the data in July, they put it all together and in August. They're saying that there's a recession because we've had six months of negative data. So if we're sort of saying, look, in about 12 months, there's probably going to be a recession and recessions take at least six months worth of data to call to be technically classified as a recession then we're probably at that tipping point right about now. We're probably potentially, and again, you know, this is just looking back and history doesn't repeat, but it does rhyme. Um, historically, we're probably starting to see that this would be when you would start to see th the tide turning, okay? And then it's gonna be in another six, eight, 10, 12 months time that then there's enough data for them to call a recession. So when the yield curve inverts, we generally think, okay, we're starting to see the market tide has slowed. It may have even stopped and potentially it's starting to go the other way. It's been coming one way for a certain while. The accelerates decelerating, it's peaked, it's turned, and now it's going back the other way. So recessions are a lagging indicator. Now, you never want to be the last person to leave a party, okay? You always, you know, it's generally safer to leave the party kind of before everything goes a bit crazy. So if, if we talk immediately about what can you do, if you're hearing on the news that there is a recession, sell what you have, you have already lost months and months and months of money. Like you've already had negative returns on your money for months when the media is finally saying, oh, look, okay, yep, we're in a recession, you know, probably a good time to get out of the stock market. You've left that party 
months too late, unfortunately. Now, again, this is not financial advice. I'm not telling you to go out and do anything. Okay. I'm just saying like what historically happens. If you're hearing about a recession, it's too late. And it's the same the other way as well, where, you know, Robert Kiyosaki says, once you see the cranes in a, a, a city, you've kind of missed the real growth. You know, once all this kind of, oh, you know, this area or this suburb or this city is like going nuts. Once you're hearing that on the media, you kind of missed it. You know, unfortunately, like you've like, it's still, there's still some growth to go, but you've missed that real growth, you know, because they need six, 12 months of data that like, oh man, this city's exploding and all the cranes come in, they get all their approval and they build lots of high rises, right? Once the cranes are in, you've kind of missed the boat. These indicators lag in both directions. So let's put all that kind of nerdy maths aside. What is the problem with the yield curve inverting and why does it mean there's a recession potentially on the way and historically it does? Well, what it certainly means is that market insiders, you know, government, treasury, bond people who control these things, if they're not giving that much money or that, that much value on long-term money, they're not giving a very high yield on long-term money, then they don't see any value in holding money long-term. They're sort of thinking, well, you know, we don't need to offer high yields on long-term money because there's not a lot of value in long-term money. They're pricing in a drop. Now, it can also mean the sort of other way is that maybe they're just so desperate for money now that it's not that the long-term money hasn't dropped. It's just that the short-term money has increased so much. Now, we all know the feeling that when you get a bill that you're not expecting, um, the anxiety, the stress of, oh, hang on, car loans due, hang on, whoops, you know, car registration, home loan, something, you know, credit card bill, something you weren't expecting. Um, I've had some, you know, occasionally, <laughs> generally, you know, on top of things, but every now and then something falls through the cracks. And the last one was actually, you know, unfortunately, <laughs> um, a, a bill was sent to the wrong address. And it was a, an old tax bill that, um, you know, from a company that I hadn't, I'd forgotten to update the address. So it was sent to our old address. And suddenly this thing shows up. It's like, hey, this is, you know, due tomorrow. And it was a significant amount of money, right? So we've all been there. Unfortunately, these things happen. Now, what if your government is so, you know, short strapped of cash short term that they're pr like, they're offering huge amounts of yield to get money straight away. Now, it's not just government as well. We know, I've done podcasts on this earlier as well, like Evergrande is a really big one, the massive Chinese property conglomerate. It is looking for a $300 billion loan just to get through the end of this year. And imagine that, like they need $300 billion today. Um, there's also like the world's largest nickel trader, like had to suspend its trading for three days. Trafugra, it's one of the largest commodity firms in the world. It just like was out there searching for billions of dollars the other day. And their quotes were to avoid a global event. They were like, we need billions of dollars today. Otherwise, like there could be something going wrong. So there's governments, there's big, big companies looking for money today. And for all the growth we've had in stocks, in property, in coins, in currencies, all that kind of stuff, for all that growth, there's still the reality that people can't pay their bills tomorrow. And that's when, you know, panic sets in. That's when we kind of get stressed and anxious and, and you know, we might do things that we may not really want to do. We might find sources of money that aren't that good. 
The final problem with a yield curve inversion is that, again, we come back to the banks, you know, in order to make the world go round, banks need to kind of lend us money so that we can get our home loans, we can get our car loans, we can, you know, do all these sorts of things and, you know, lend credit for credit cards and all that kind of stuff. Now, if there's not a lot of value in long-term money, banks aren't going to offer long-term money. Now, if banks aren't offering long-term money, home loans and stuff like that, it becomes harder to access money. And when it becomes harder to access money, people are less likely to spend. And again, when we spend less, economies slow down, businesses struggle, governments struggle, we go into recession, people panic, they spend less, and this cycle goes badly. You know, when things are good, We've had a big period of cheap money recently, which means people are spending money, which means businesses are doing well, which means stocks are going up, which means people are investing, people are getting easy money to invest more, etc. We've had this, you know, vicious cycle one way, this snowball one way, and it will snowball the other way as well. It can potentially snowball the other way. If banks don't see value in giving people long-term money because the curve is going down, then they're not going to give you money. So... What does all of this mean as far as what can we do today? Well, you know what? The best protection from anything is education. Like when we look at all this kind of stuff, like your very best like time to invest in your financial location, there has never been a better time than now. And it's an interesting thing. Like, you know, we talk about some of these paradoxes. It's, I was talking to a friend just Friday night, you know, we were, there was a, a charity fundraiser for the kids at school and you know just chatting with a friend at the back of the room and he was talking about you know how's business like you know with the like with everything going and property and all that kind of stuff business must be really good and I was like well it's interesting because um you know when when money is easy and like when everyone's making money and when property is going really well it's actually a bit of a challenge to sell financial education and it's not that you know like it's not that like business isn't growing and business isn't good but it's more challenging because people don't see the value in education when it's easy to make money. When you can just kind of, you know, go out there and put money on a property and sell it 12 months later for $100,000, no one's going to need to kind of read a book about property, right? Everyone's like, well, I don't need to do that. Like you just buy and sell. It's simple. So it's interesting because these are the times when people are going to actually start to think, oh, hang on, maybe it's not quite as good as it was. And this is where for you, as someone who is an entrepreneur, as someone who's in business, and you can offer solutions to people's lives, you may have actually found it's a bit of a challenge at the moment because when everything is good and no one has problems, then there's no problems to solve. And it can be quite difficult for an entrepreneur. Now, it's not that a recession is a good or a bad thing. A recession is just an event where money gets moved from certain things to other places. You know, money doesn't like disappear. It doesn't like get created and then disappear. It just moves to certain other fields. And what we're going to find is that this is a time where people are going to have certain challenges because the easy money from the bank is drying up or the money that they were expecting in the future isn't quite going to be there. Now, in the short term, yes, that is not good. But it does mean there's going to be more people looking for solutions. There's going to be more people who are willing to put a premium on actually solving these problems. Because when things are good, no one wants to solve their problems. But when there are challenges, there are more problems to solve. 
So there is no better time to invest in yourself and your own financial education and your own growth now while things are still potentially good. I mean, they haven't turned yet, but it looks like they may be. Never a better time now to prepare yourself for when people are looking for help. You want to be the person who's got, you know, runs on the board results for when people are looking for help. Now, you also want to really be in control of your own finances, okay? Know what is happening. Have your budget there. Make sure you don't have any kind of, you know, frivolous money that you're spending on things. Maybe now's the time to just do that really good audit of your budget and really look at things and say, actually, you know what, maybe it would be good just to have some cash in the bank. I don't need all of my money out there doing crazy things, okay? Again, you know, it's always better to leave a party five minutes early than five minutes late. And again, not financial education, but personally, I'm just freeing up some money at the moment. I'm just getting rid of some things that have, they've been great for us. They've made money for us. But when we did a full audit 12, six, 12 months ago, it was like, okay, I think, you know, I think there's maybe a year or two left in the market. Let's start leaving the party a little bit early and we're just going to start to clean up our finances. We're going to start to sell off some things and just free up some cash, okay? Because one of the things about a recession, obviously, is that people talk about buying the dip, okay? You know, when markets crash, that's when you actually make your money. You know, when markets go down, it's in that point where everything's, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50% off that then you can buy them and actually you're going to ride the next wave up. That's the opportunity that presents. But if you don't have any money to buy the dip, okay, then you can't buy the dip. And that's a big reality again when we talk about, you know, the next property wave. We did very well in this property wave, very well on paper at least. I mean, you know, like it's all hypothetical valuations, but because we bought our properties in these suburbs five to 10 years earlier. Now, if we have a dip, okay, and we've got some cash available, then we can decide to do more if we decide we've got money available. So really work on your own financial education, really work on your own business skills, understand that you may have been challenged recently because everything is going good for a lot of people. Certainly there's been, you know, challenges from a, a health point of view and, you know, sort of isolation point of view, but from a financial point of view, things have been pretty good for a little while. And so that does mean that maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, you know, maybe I can't offer any solutions, but keep working on yourself, keep focusing on yourself, your own financial ed education and building your skills because a recession is moving money from the unprepared to the prepared. That's really what happens in recessions. I don't want to, you know, they're, they're, they're market events, right? They're, they're, like, they're not a great thing. I'm not saying in any way we should look forward to this, but I'm saying if you are prepared, you can create your own economy. And the final thing, of course, is being very wary of risk and debt, because again, there's nothing more powerful than FOMO, and FOMO always happens right before a crash, kind of thing. Like, it's always that there's never been a better time than now, don't miss the boat, is always said five minutes before something goes wrong. <laughs> like, again, by definition, a recession is when things fall down after an all-time high. So when things are at an all-time high, it's easy to sit there and like, oh man, you know, FOMA, I've got to get in, I've got to get in. I would be very, very, very wary of emotional risk debt-based investing right now because everything, it's always amazing 
never been a better time right before a crash. And again, unfortunately, now, could I be wrong? Of course, I've been wrong many times. Just ask my wife. Um, she'll tell you I'm always wrong. Um, but we just need to look at the data. And again, like history doesn't repeat, but it does rhyme. And, you know, one thing that we've learned from human history is that humans don't tend to learn from human history. And if we look at all of the kind of, you know, dot-com booms and the, you know, the pre-GFC CDO booms and all that kind of stuff, historically, there are a lot of things playing out here that are very similar to what happened 14 years ago, that are very similar to what happened 22 years ago. A great time to educate ourselves is right now. Have a look at what happened in the old crashes. Have a look at what's happened in the past. Educate yourself. Find someone who can educate you as well and really control your own finances. Really, now is not the time to be kind of like just buying up frivolous things. Now is the time to be kind of just maybe making that extra tight budget because if something does go wrong, you want to be the person who's there ready to act on when things bounce back up because they always will bounce back up. And again, you know, recessions aren't great, but thankfully they are short term and historically we always recover and we always move on and things go to all new highs. If you are prepared now and you're educated now and you're in a position where you have set yourself your sale differently, you can massively change your future in the coming years. And as always, that's my hope for you, that you can massively change your future based on what you're hearing today about what actions you take off this podcast. So a bit of a longer one, probably, uh, <laughs> than to get on these sort of little, um, you know, tangents at times and, and talk a little bit. So hopefully you got lots of value out of this, but hopefully there's lots of education and maybe you need to listen to it two or three times to kind of let it all go down. But get on, as I said, just do a little bit of research. There's a fantastic, fantastic documentary called Inside Job. I know I've mentioned it on the podcast before. It's on Apple iTunes or, you know, you can download it. It's called Inside Job. It's incredible. Um, like there was the the, um, the big Hollywood one, um, the big short. It's almost had a mental blank on it. Very good as well. Uh, you know, a bit more Hollywood version this inside job documentary particularly watch that you'll see a lot of similarities a lot of things rhyming now from back then as well otherwise um hopefully you have an amazing day hopefully you have a, a great week ahead as always don't want to be doom and gloom but we do need to be realistic we do need to be prepared and we do need to just look at what the indicators are telling us um and then you know not leave the party too late don't get caught with our pants down all that kind of stuff otherwise guys i will see you on another podcast episode later this week hope you have an amazing time catch you then Thanks for listening to The Way Out, creating financial freedom through network marketing. Connect with Andrew on Instagram and Facebook at Andrew James Logan. For your seven-step system to financial freedom and other tools and resources to help you grow your business fast, go to www.andrewlogan.net. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review. Until next time, keep moving forward.